Hello, my magical friends. My name is Ayumi. My pronouns are she, her, hers. And you're listening to Sparkle Side Chats with Magical Girl Ayu. Whether it's your first or 175th time listening, we welcome you to our space to celebrate magical girls from every corner of the world. We have a little bit of news, and then we'll get into a very special episode. So let's get started. So first thing is first, uh, of course, deepest apologies again for a late episode today. Uh, Just to be completely honest with what's going on, I am completely overworked at the moment between both of my jobs that are hourly and basically that has meant that all other work has been just kind of cast aside temporarily. And so I have basically very little time for for much of anything, Um, podcast editing, etc. as well. So I do apologize again for this episode coming out very late. But luckily, because of that, we do have a final new segment of the season, as this is the end of season eight. And then we'll get into the questions for today, which I did record earlier than today. Um, But yeah, otherwise, we are all set. So I'm very excited. Um, (laughs) So the first bit of news is not about any sort of new actual media coming out or anything, but... The Sailor Moon Museum was an exhibition that was held last year uh, in 2022, and uh, they announced just a little while ago that they will be bringing back the exhibition. So the Sailor Moon Museum will be returning specifically to Fukuoka, Osaka, and Aichi prefectures. We don't have a lot of information about Aichi, but we do have dates and locations for the Fukuoka and Osaka runs of this show. So for anyone who missed it, especially because it was still like super pandemic-y times, and I mean, still is, but you know, things are things are just like generally a little bit different now. So travel is easier, etc. to get into Japan. So I'm sure a lot of people will be making travel plans to get back to Japan just to get to this museum. So yeah, if you're interested, that would be interesting for Sailor Moon fans. And then next, we got a new announcement from an adaptation of The Magical Girl and The Evil Lieutenant used to be Arch Enemies. So this was a romance Magical Girl series made by Kokoa Fujiwara. It originally had three volumes, and there were apparently rumors of talks about it getting adapted before Fujiwara herself passed away at an unfortunately very young age. Uh, it looks like the animation studio Bones will be on the case for this one, doing uh, this particular adaptation. It'll be very interesting, especially because this was an unfinished work that will be getting an adaptation. We don't know how far along it will be. We don't know when it will come out, but I'm looking forward to it just because, well, not only is it an interesting uh, concept and I will be getting my hands on the comic as soon as possible after payday, but we have the announcement of a lot of the staff, which is very exciting including the character designer, who is Haruko Izuka. And if you're not familiar with her work, she has done a lot of work, but in particular, recently, she has done character design for the latest team of Love Live, as well as for Sugar Apple Fairy Tale, which I, when it comes to the visuals, am obsessed with how gorgeous that show is. So I am definitely looking forward to what will certainly be a beautiful series. But yeah, so we'll have to just stay abreast of the news and see when this will actually come out properly but I'm definitely excited for this announcement 
And one more thing before we get into today's topic uh, that's a bit more of a serious note here. I had been meaning to get to this earlier in discussion, but it just, you know, never got around to it. And it wasn't the sort of thing that I felt was appropriate to make a separate podcast episode about. It does feel like something that should be covered on a main episode. So here we are. But as of season eight concluding, we have lost quite a few episodes over the years. I just have to be very honest about why. I haven't really gotten to talk about it on the podcast itself, but it has come to the point where it has to be addressed. So basically, when a podcast episode is removed, generally the reason is simply the person who had been a guest. I have simply found one reason or another. Um, There's different kinds of conflicts, etc. that cause this, but I found for whatever reason, this person is no longer someone that I find acceptable to have on my platform, however small the platform is. And in one case, they also had requested it. So it kind of made my job easier. We were we were at a, a, an odds, um, unfortunately, about some things. But yeah, I just wanted to make that clear because there was uh, a little bit of a, a whole bunch of things happening um, earlier. Well, it originally started in April and then kind of like resurfaced later on. But basically, you know, there was some accusations thrown about uh, just a call out about the safety of minors being at risk in certain places uh, in the fandom space this year. And one person actually was not involved at all, but ended up getting removed and also requesting to be removed because when they decided to get involved, and I don't necessarily agree with all the actions that the uh, teenagers they were fighting with um, took, but, you know, this led to them revealing some prejudices that had absolutely nothing to do with what was going on and made me uncomfortable as well. And when I tried to call them in, it just did not work out uh, in the end. And, you know, it's very unfortunate. In other cases, it was just like other activity that made them, you know, just directly um, harmful to minors or supporting people who, who are. So, you know, it is really unfortunate. It does break my heart. It also, you know, every recording I've ever done, I have felt pretty good about the final result. I've felt good about the people involved. I've, I've found that, you know, even if I disagree with them on like simple things like who their favorite cure is or something, and this is not just a precure conversation, of course, there are a lot of things that I think that you can have reasonable disagreements on. But when it comes to um, especially the safety of minors and just certain things like that, I just feel like I, yeah, again, I just cannot have that on my platform. And it does suck. It doesn't suck just because of the podcast itself. It sucks because I trusted these people. And I just feel, you know, disappointed in in those people, disappointed in myself, and disappointed that I would disappoint, you know, listeners by having these people on whether they knew it or not. You know, it sucks. It just generally sucks. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to let you know that that is why um, several episodes have been removed at this point. And as far as when those topics will come back, I'm happy to let you know that at least two of them will, I believe, in season eight be covered again. So that's good. Um, I, I hope to get back to these topics as soon as I can. But, you know, I'm just kind of letting it be a natural thing. I don't want to just quickly go through these topics again as a way to make up for that. I do want them to be genuinely good episodes with genuinely good guests. I have had another case of an episode being replaced for this reason. And, you know, I just went into the recording of the second version as if the first one hadn't existed at all. And it, it made things a lot easier if we didn't have to address it in the first place. 
So yeah, that's just me being upfront about the situation. I don't want to directly call out any of the people because for one thing, it's been quite a while since any of these things had happened at all. And I don't want to put targets on their back when, for all I know, they might be reflecting and things like that. So they know what they've done. And and again, one of the people has had personally requested to be removed uh, from the podcast themselves because they didn't like how I approach things. And that's fair. Again, apologies. I've, I have tried to figure out how to phrase this or what to say so many times. But again, I apologize that it ended up this way. I hope that I can personally do a better job of ensuring that, you know, the people that I have on, um, that our disagreements are not those that cause anyone harm. After that bummer talk, we're going to get into today's show. So, of course, you all sent me lovely messages, um, questions I had asked for. I am intentionally not answering any personal questions. And again, this was recorded a lot earlier, but I just wanted to get this reintroduced before we get into the main chat. So here you are. This is a very uh, unique episode, even for the entire podcast, in that uh, we're doing a kind of Magical Girl sommelier special bonus for episode 175, closing out this season of Sparkleside Chats, season seven. This is our first time actually fully doing a like whole seasonal thing. The first six seasons were made such, in hindsight, you know, retconned and so on, but enough about that. Um, so I just wanted to say, as always, thank you so much for your continued support of this podcast. It is because you all listen that I feel the motivation to continue doing this silly little thing. And I'm really happy that I'm still able to find really interesting guests and you know great people to talk to all the time. And I'm already really looking forward to season eight. I've already recorded the first episode of season eight as of recording this final episode of season seven. Another episode is going to be recorded relatively soon. I'm giving myself quite the buffer and I'm sure you'll be wondering when season eight is starting. We'll get to that soon. One final reminder. So I do have the form up on the podcast and I will have it pinned on the podcast Twitter page for the time being, I guess, until the next season starts. But yes, if you have any ideas about topics that we should cover or people I should have on as guests, I am super open. I love hearing from new people or hearing about new people. As a reminder, if you've already been a guest on the podcast, you don't need to go through the form um, because I do see that happening sometimes. And I do need to let you know that Soaring Sky Precure has already been claimed. So I have been continuing to receive messages from people asking if they can be a guest on this particular topic. I completely understand. It's a great season of Precure, but it has been claimed and booked already. I am very sorry. But that also means that you can all look forward to that coming out pretty quickly after the season finishes. And I'm definitely super open to getting those past Precure seasons uh, that we haven't covered yet covered as well. The worst thing I could do is say no, right? Like, I just want to have a backlog. I have sometimes held on to it for a few months and then reached out to people um, once I kind of figured out, like, oh, I think someone messaged me about this particular topic. Let me get back to that. Speaking of getting feedback from listeners, 
Um, if you're on Spotify, I have been starting to use, um, there's a kind of an automated feature about Spotify questions and polls and stuff. I haven't done the polls yet. I don't really have any <laughs> particular things I feel like are poll worthy for the podcast, but I have been starting to get feedback through the questions and it's been really nice. I will definitely, you know, kind of bring those up over time. I, I loved seeing like, oh, people getting into a magical girl show for the first time because of my episode. That truly is the greatest gift as a listener that you can give me. <laughs> so yeah, I would definitely love to hear more from people. I don't know if I'll go back through and, and add questions to all the hundred plus episodes, um, but we'll, we'll figure that out. So with all of that, let's get into Magical Girl Sommelier. So I uh, made the call out here on, on Twitter. Um, I did neglect to write about it on Instagram and I do apologize. I'm still a very bad Instagram person. I really need to get better about it, especially considering how um, Twitter might be like totally dying. I'm still, it's, that's been a question of the year, hasn't it? Like what is going on with Twitter? And I don't really want to talk about it because this is not the podcast for that, but it's still a factor because that is the biggest place for me uh, in terms of social media. So if it dies, that's going to be really bad <laughs> for me personally. But anyway, I, you know, put out the call, I put out a form on Google Docs um, so people can submit their queries and so on. The basic idea was instead of this being like a personal Q&A, it was meant to be more of asking about my feelings as an expert, like my experience of Magical Girls and so on. So yeah, I, uh, I'm really excited to get into it and let's look at the question. So I did specify no personal questions and I did get, I think one or two. So I'm just going to answer the ones that are, are not personal questions. I do apologize. I don't know if I'll do a Q and A for 200, but I probably will do a Q and A for 200. So keep that in mind because that'd be fun. Unsurprisingly, the very first person who submitted a question is Mooney Hilton. They are she pronouns, uh, who has watched, like me, a whole lot of magical girls. And they are a teenager who is just into the entire genre. We have some disagreements about what is or isn't that, but the first question was, this has been picking at me for a while since I've seen it listed as one on a few sites. I have no idea whether you're familiar with it or not, but do you think Etotama is a magical girl series? And in case I'm allowed to ask another question, do you know any more magical girl media with canon neurodivergent rep? Because I'm only aware of two, Magical Warrior Diamond Heart and the Shiva Reboot. So both are great questions. Etotama is a very peculiar series. Now, granted, I have not personally watched the series just for clarification about etotama so there is a 2015 series as well as a 2021 series that seems to be in continued release i'm not really familiar with it but it only has four episodes there's also a 2014 comic and a radio thing anyway i have not watched it so i can't personally state for sure if it is or not it is definitely a fantasy, at the very least. The borders of fantasy and non-fantasy, like, it's... I don't know if, you know, it crosses that line. I do respect that some people do consider it a Magical Girl series, but I can't say definitively until, um, until I consume it for myself. Unfortunately, my answer to this question is simply, I don't know, but I will find out. 
anything that is on the edge. I will always be sure to consume because the only way to know for sure is to watch it for yourself. That being said, I know that that still is not necessarily going to guarantee a personal opinion is, you know, like set in stone because. As for the neurodivergent question, um, I actually got another one similar to this from Darren, who uses he, him pronouns. Darren also asked, uh, let me get to the question. I'm looking for a magical girl series that has an autistic character, also very silly as its humor. So I think that maybe English is not your first language or there was some typos here. So uh, yes, yeah, so I believe what you're trying to ask is if there's a character, uh, a series with a character who is autistic and is a main character and is also very silly. Again, Magical Warrior Diamond Heart is there for you. Um, so when I recorded the original uh, little chat, I actually had not gotten this exact information before. So I wanted to let you know that I did get the precise info. I wanted to let you know in particular who is autistic in the series. So I reached out to Pion, who is the creator, the, the sole creator of this adorable little series. And he told me that the five characters uh, that are artistic are Sophie, Liam, Zachary, Chandra, and Marina. So you can enjoy having that information and uh, let that further increase your enjoyment of one of the few places where you can get this particular kind of representation. And yes, we definitely appreciate that. <laughs> Great. Pion Arthur, the author, creator, etc. of Diamond Heart, he himself is also autistic, so... We love that. I unfortunately, you know, just like Mooney, I don't know any other canonical neurodivergence characters. Basically, with a lot of other kinds of media, the canonical rep is very, very seldom. And it's very unfortunate because I think it would be super awesome. I think as far as like specifically autism goes, it's like one of those things that in Japan, I just like never hear anyone talk about, even though I'm like pretty sure I have some students who are autistic and have met other kids who are, who are autistic from my experience just working in one school, but I can't really speak to it again. I am not diagnosed with autism. The more I have learned about autism, the more I am not sure about myself. I am choosing to not say that I am for sure or not until I get some sort of diagnosis. But there's a lot of things and, you know, I've talked to some of my own friends who are also autistic that makes me think that this is a possibility, um, not necessarily something that I'm comfortable discussing in detail at this time. But um, so I would also personally really like to see more rep. It's very similar to like a lot of queerness in that like people read the subtext that they want to in media and that's great but it's not the same as canonical representation where the author says the thing is true thank you both for your questions and yeah let's get to the next one so next is from quisitive who uses he them pronouns thank you for your question around the 2000s there was a shift for action magical girls being the standard especially with Tadewa precure that also coincided with a more visible male demographic, such as through lyrical nanoha, that also also lines up with how the magical girl genre was perceived in the US, with Sailor Moon and Cardcaptor Sakura being treated interchangeably with superhero action slash monster of the week than, say, the slice of life or idol focus earlier. Would you have some thoughts on how the shift panned out for the genre? 
in terms of story production or audience perception of what even is a Magical Girl show. I also want to contrast with how Magical Girl parodies interpreted Magical Girl's main tropes to then twist at least before Madoka. Okay, so uh, this is a great question and a little complex. So let's just break this down. So I would argue that, you know, when it comes to the male demographic, things are a bit more complicated. So Cutie Honey was the first show specifically in the genre that is for boys, but the earliest Magical Girl shows were for children, not for girls. And I think that's important to acknowledge. Uh, so Sally and Akko were definitely not just for girls, but for children. And then we get more into like gearing towards this kind of blend of, you know, different shows that were trying to do both uh, being a children's show, but also appealing to adults, um, appealing to men in particular. So like Megu-chan in the 70s is also another big contender in that regard. Um, and just, yeah, as far as the male demographic goes, and as you've probably heard by now, our last episode was on Pastel Yumi, which was an 80s show that was also for children and kind of an adjusted variation of Studio Piro's uh, work that centered a male audience a lot more. And what happens often with these shows is they get canceled early because parents are like, what the heck is this? Understandably so. And so that's when the shift started to move again around this time to creating more stuff that is separate and for adults and for men. Now, as far as the um, question of action magical girl, superhero magical girl, the battle heroine versus the Majoko versus the idol, etc. That was actually an 80s thing. Like that fading out was happening in the late 80s. And that trend over to superheroes was happening in the late 80s. It was not a 2000s thing. Like, yes, we did have other shows that were not hero shows, like uh, Mama's a Fourth Grader in the 90s. We had Mary Bell in the 90s. And then Doremi, right? But even Doremi did get into a little bit of fighting evil. Doremi is the final Majoko, right? For Japanese shows and in particular for Toei, who... I know that uh, the term was coined by fans of the original Majoko series, but I don't know if like Toy like made that an official like toy related term in particular. I don't know if there's like a trademark on that. That would be interesting if so. But in any case, that is that. So I just wanted to kind of highlight that specific like truth about the history of the genre because it is more complex. And I do think that the the shift to heroes was already in full swing by the 90s and then you know moving on as far as like the lighting up with the american view now i do want to specify that this does not actually dictate how everyone sees magical girls because again if you go to italy italy is a lot more varied in its uh, understanding because italy actually got a ton of magical girls over the decades same with france same with a lot of other countries uh, same with Latin America, of course. Latin America has been getting Magical Girls since the original Comet from Japan. So yeah, it's just like a lot more complicated. But if we want to focus on the US for a moment, sure, why not? I do think that like everyone's personal idea of what makes a Magical Girl comes from their own experience of especially what their first one is. And so 
That's why it's not surprising that a lot of people still truly believe that magical girls are all fighting evil and are warriors. It's very unfortunate that that's the case, and it's annoying when people insist that that's true. But, you know, it's understandable because of what people mostly know that, like, that's what they believe. And then, like, you named up Precure, which is interesting because Precure is so battle heavy that people forget it's a magical girl show. Uh, which it's like because it's like they remember the punching and kicking and fighting and spinning around more than Marble Screw. And then they also have the, the nice slice of life stuff, right? It's very just kind of coincidental in a lot of ways that, that those are the things that happened. Yeah, as far as like what it means for the genre, I mean, it just so happens that we're in the 2020s. So if we span like the basic 60 years of Magical Girls, you know, it's a little bit more complicated than that as far as the origins, etc. But if we're if we're thinking from Sally the Witch onward, sure, um, you know, the 90s were the halfway point, right? So like this shift happened. And honestly, a lot of this stuff is capitalism. Just very, very simply, the things that became popular stayed popular because of the sales. Sailor Moon was a huge hit, so it made sense that they would keep going with the show, but it faded over time, and that's why Sailor Stars does not have as many episodes. Cha-Cha was a huge hit. That one is a little bit of an interesting mix, where the comic is very popular as well, and everyone who reads the comic knows there's <laughs> there's no magical princess in that one. Yeah, it is complex, but, you know, I think that as far as like comparing it to what's going on with the male demographic, again, this is a very complex, a whole bunch of different factors that you're asking about here, which is fine. But I think that it's interesting to think about how like, again, it comes from people's first notion. So like, if you go into the Magical Girls from the 90s, which of course a lot of millennials did, a lot of listeners of this podcast did, and then you encounter Nanoha. You might think that's like the first time people got weird, but people were getting weird a lot longer before then. It's just like very, mm, it's fascinating to see this difference. Obviously, I enjoy the older stuff and I wish we had more stuff like the older stuff. There's like hints here and there. Komi Wichalara does have a little bit of that, right? Mahotsukai Precure has a little bit of that. There might become a time where we get back to the Machoko ideas. Idols, I think, are kind of dead for a right now um considering the pretty series again for me pretty series absolutely is a magical idol show but it's gone and that sucks so there's not much we can say there but again you know people's ideas of what makes a magical girl show are always going to change there's not a lot you can do except to like i guess correct people on the internet um but honestly people will listen to what they think is true and there's not a whole lot you can do to a certain degree to convince them otherwise, right? But just state the facts that you know to be true. And that's what I know to be true. You got to know what you know, understand what you know and why you know it. So yes. Okay. I just went on for a long time because that was a little bit of a complex question. Okay. I'm actually really excited for this next one. Novice, a longtime listener of the podcast. And uh, yeah, he, him pronouns. He's one of the few uh, Japanese listeners I have who like regularly responds and stuff and always has some interesting stuff to bring up. So I'm really excited for this question, which is what do you think about comparing a magical girl series for children with those for adults? I often see such discussions in English. 
This is a very simple question, but I think something that's very interesting and important to point out, because this is something that seems like not a silly question, but like this question can only come from a Japanese Magical Girl fan. <laughs> so thank you, novice. But basically, you know, we kind of discussed this a little bit back in our Madoka episode with Simon Goff, but, you know, we get this thing of people often consuming media from other countries completely out of context. And honestly, like there's a lot of media we consume completely out of context, right? Um, if it's not in the current moment, you know, even if you watch something from like last year, you're going to start losing context. If it's from another country and from last year, you're going to lose even more context. And so, you know, what happens is like, I would say most people consume magical girl media for exactly what it is. And they don't necessarily always have access to all the information, all the backstory, all the context around its creation, including the demographic. So it seems maybe strange to some, but I think it's like only natural uh, if you're only consuming what you have access to, to access all the magical girl media you can. And well, there isn't really a lot of stuff about like separating out the demographics as much in the West. So that's why you see a lot of people talk about Sailor Moon and Maruga in the same sentence, even though they're from decades apart and are from different demographics. And a whole lot has happened in between those shows. And yeah, just like generally speaking, you know, there's always going to be context missing. But, you know, when all you can knowingly watch or knowingly consume is the literal narrative of the show, then yeah, a lot of stuff is going to be lost in that way. I think it's for the same reason that a lot of uh, a lot of people just do not want to believe that Precure is a show for young, young children. They just absolutely don't understand that. And then that gets compounded when you have you know, a lot of series that only are available in fan subs, which includes swear words and other such nonsense. Like, it's just a matter of, of yeah, there's the context of, of things, you know. Unfortunately, I think the major fan subs that you can get for Ojemajo Dorimi include the Arsler, which is like, yeah, they don't use the equivalent of that word in Dorimi like ever. But that's just like how people were talking in English at the time, at that age. It really sucks, but that's just that's just what it is. So yeah, I think that it's very interesting that you asked this question because this is one of those things that seems very obvious, right? In English, like just very clear, like of course people are going to discuss all aspects of the genre together. But yeah, I could definitely understand for some people like not wanting to put discussions of the shows for kids in the same breath as the shows for adults. It absolutely makes sense to me. Um, and I think there are times where you do have to keep that in mind. I think that you should always keep the demographic in mind when you're watching anything because you should not expect the same level of, uh, you know, commentary and stuff from a show like Precure compared to like a show like I don't know, Magical Destroyers, which was trying something for sure. Anyway, um, let's get to the next question. Thank you so much again, novice. I always love what you have to say. Danielle Huli, she, her, slash any pronouns, who I had the delight of meeting in real life earlier this year. It was so fun. She was so nice and I got to meet her partner and her friends and we went to the pretty store, among other things, on Character Street. It was really nice. And she bought me food. So, she asks, the genre is evolving. 
now we have more magical boys, and the number of grown-ups has been slowly increasing too. The question is, if in the future those numbers keep increasing in a non-parody form, do you think the genre will still keep the name of magical girls? Or will there be divisions like magical women or magical boys or another new name? I love this question. This is a very interesting one, Danielu. Um, thank you. So I think, you know, because of the spirit of the original concept, we're probably going to stick with the magical girls. That being said, the first 30 years of the genre, they were called magical girls. They were called magical. Even Sailor Moon was called a magical. And I feel like that's a thing that a lot of people don't know. That's interesting. Um, so it is possible. I know that already people do kind of separate out magical boys and a little bit magical women. Like they like to make that distinction like, oh, this character is. But calling it like a magical boy genre sounds funny to me, but not absurd. I could imagine it happening. That being said, there are so many degrees to which the term magical girl genre isn't included. Like, Webtoon, please give us a magical girl genre tag. I am dying trying to search for magical girls under superheroes and fantasy and what have you. Like, I'm trying to find some new guests here. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, if we get to a point where, like, magical girl tags themselves are even more prominent, it could get to a point where people want to separate this out. But I don't see that happening just because like in the grand scheme of media magical girls is deceptively small and there's a lot of stuff that like people don't really consider part of the magical girl genre even though they absolutely are um just because of their notion of what that genre means it would be interesting if that happened i think that within the genre fandom there will be that distinction, but I don't think that will happen ever outside of it. Okay, next question is from Mel. She, her pronouns. Her question is, if someone were making a magical girl video game of sorts, what elements of the genre, if any, do you think would be essential to capture in some form, in your opinion? Oh, this is a very interesting question. So it's very much depends on what kind of magical girl based game you're playing or I guess what kind of game you're trying to make here because like thinking about you know diamond heart again shout out um <laughs> thinking about diamond heart which is a visual novel and uh involves like romancing characters and stuff which means i'm very bad at it um and it's the same reason why i really want to play wedding apple but i don't think i ever will <laughs> these kind of games i think what becomes essential is like the aesthetic and getting like good music involved and good visuals and maybe if you're lucky, a magical girl transformation sequence, you know, I don't think, yeah, Diamond Heart doesn't have it, but they have like the final shots of like them, you know, defeating the bad guy with their magic powers and stuff like that stuff is there. But yeah, other stuff, not so much. But in any case, yeah, that is something that could be nice. One thing I love about Magia Record is that uh, all the cards you get, you know, it is a gotcha game, so it is all about getting all your money. But you know what? They invest in all those transformation sequences, which I live for. Like, that's all I ever want to watch. Like, I can't believe there's a game so full of just all these magical girl transformations. I live for it. It's fantastic. I think if you're playing, if you're making a magical girl, like, RPG then you might want to include the transformations too. But make it optional for people who don't want to see them all the time. Kind of like how people are with stock footage in general. 
The example being, you know, Final Fantasy X-2, a favorite game that I consider Magical Girl-esque uh, because it has, you know, explicitly Sailor Moon inspired transformations, right? So the characters are transforming, but you can turn that setting off if you're weird, I guess. <laughs> so, you know, for people who don't want to bother with that, you can actually remove the sequences in your options. But yeah, I do think that stuff is like super fun and interesting. And if you want your series to be considered a magical girl show or a magical girl game, it's like all about the aesthetics and, and making sure that you've got those particular vibes. And this is, of course, talking about magical warriors in particular, right? The battle heroines, as opposed to, I don't know, if there was a Majoko game, what would that entail? Like doing different kinds of magic? I don't even know how that kind of game would be made. Like, I am not that kind of person. I'm not a game maker. So like literally my brain cannot process the concept. <laughs> um, but yeah, so those are also options. Magical idols. I mean, I guess it would be about the outfits. Prepara does have a, you know, their, their game and all of that, which I did download and I never got around to actually trying to play because I just kept giving up, but that's fine. <laughs> um, but yeah, so those are all things that I think could be good, but it depends, depends, depends on the type of game you're making. Last question, which is from Asa, they, them pronouns. Thank you for your question, which is, how do you feel about Precure having a single cure for the series? Just the idea of it, like one season with one Precure. So what's interesting is, you know, these days, the shows with one magical girl are few and far between and probably with good reason in general. But in particular, Precure, for one thing, I don't think they'll ever have one. They'll, I don't think they'll ever, ever have a season with just one cure. The main reason being just because the power of friendship is such a major thing for everyone, right? You absolutely just can't escape that that is an essential factor of Precure in particular. Like, Magical Girls in general, yes, but generally the other thing with that is simply like, you know, with a solo Magical Girl story, the way that the power of friendship enacts itself is in the cast of characters surrounding the magical girl. So it's not like you can't do that with Precure, but the other aspect of Precure is simply sales. Like they have to sell as many dolls and stuff as possible. And if you invest all of your effort into one magical girl, what if half the people don't like the design? Then you're screwed. So you really need to be very simple about that. Cause like People gravitate towards different aspects of design and all that, and character as well, like the actual personality is also vital. So with all of these in mind, yeah, absolutely, it's never going to happen. I'm happy to have other Magical Girl series have solo Magical Girls, but uh, spoiler alert for Komi Witch Lara, even that show, like it ended with a new Magical Girl and joining the team, and there's going to be a third in season two. So like, even when it looks like it's going to be a solo series, it just simply cannot be. Before my battery dies out here, I'm going to finish up. Um, thank you so much for all your questions. I, I wasn't sure if this would be enough to, like, warrant a full recording episode, but it worked out really well. So thank you all for your questions. I don't know when I will do this again, but we'll figure it out. And if you're wondering where the Dancing Star Breaker episode is, uh, just know that what happened was I recorded like shortly after going to see the show. And then I got the live stream ticket 
And then like I've been literally so goddamn busy with work right now that I have barely had time to revisit the watch. So I will be posting the episode soon, but the problem is I have to like re-record parts of the episode. So there's gonna be like parts of me after watching the show for the first time and then like recordings of me after re-watching the show and being able to like pause and re-listen to things and actually have more information than I could upon the official like actual first watch. So look forward to that when that comes out. You can watch it somewhere on the internet just saying but you know in the meantime I will do my best. You know this is this is the end of season seven which leads us to the important question. When is season eight of Sparkleside Chats with Magical Girl IU beginning? Well, as far as releasing episodes go, uh, I'm still going to try to figure out bonus episodes uh, for the time being, but main feed-wise, I'm taking a break, and we're going to get to season eight in January. January 2nd will be the start of season eight, so look forward to that. Um, There will likely be some sort of news roundup beforehand uh, near the end of the year, so Merry Christmas, I guess. (laughs) Yes, we'll, we'll figure all that out, but uh, in the meantime, look forward to the Dancing Star Precure bonus episode on this feed uh, sometime, hopefully soon, but we'll see. And then uh, after that, look forward to, yes, January 2nd, the start of season eight. There will be a bonus episode before then. If you want to contribute to the podcast, you cannot at this moment due to personal reasons paypal and i are in a fight right now so i um cannot get any payments at the at this moment but once i get the paperwork sorted out we'll be back in business so i will still be creating bonus episodes in the meantime and you know we'll figure out whether or not i can you know share them or not um i will at least still make the posts and then we will figure this out like so at the moment you can't actually contribute, which sucks for me because I like having money. But um, <laughs> in the meantime, you know, just get yourself ready, get your wallets ready. Uh, I will make announcement once we're back in business, but for now we are not. But yeah, I will be producing bonus episodes in the meantime. And then um, for the record, starting next year with season eight, I will only be owing people one bonus episode a month. Only just because, like, when I was actually getting paid per month from all the members, I was not making enough to warrant making two episodes, and it was definitely depleting a lot of my energy. So until I actually get to a higher amount of subscribers, I will only be producing one episode a month. So I do apologize for that, but that is just the way things are. I did make an announcement of this over on the bonus feed a few a little while ago, but just to reiterate it here on the main feed. I have been ranting and rambling for a while, so I do apologize. And again, my battery is about to die, so I will see you, well, maybe next year, maybe soon. We'll see. I hope you enjoy the rest of your year. And remember, you are magical forever and always. Bye-bye.